Wonderful, wonderful. I do apologize for my voice. I'm a little bit coldy after our trip to Centurion. It's greater Fricky and Luzon. Where are you guys? Well, welcome. And the other couple as well from Centurion that were there. Thanks. Great to have you guys. They just come to visit us. Uh, trust the camp was good. And um, <clears throat> um, I've done many camps uh, and we're going to Skokheim and Sometimes people say, don't tell me you're going back to Skokheim. Well, often that's where God meets with us. And as Chris said, I would really encourage you to try and get there. Some people are very intimidated by these camps. Please don't be. Um, you know, it's amazing how one of the diseases of the West is people. I don't want to be near people. I can't go to even coffee shops. I don't like to be near people. It's a plague of the devil. Um, that thing where the enemy, and even I've had to repent myself going to camp, uh, having a bit of an attitude towards dormitory food. You know, sometimes you think, I don't want to go and eat dormitory food. Uh, Paul was in jail. Um, Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head. And me as a pastor am complaining about dormitory food. Isn't that appalling? I confess my sin before you this morning, you know, and I've often felt the Lord lovingly challenge me and saying, Nick, you backsliding, amen? You backsliding into mediocrity. You backsliding into the world, and he wants his sons and daughters to go forward, amen? And I was, um, if I can say, maybe I need to make more confessions this morning, um, but I was proud, and I hope it's the right proud, driving to church this morning, thinking of 40 years ago when this church was planted, or 43 years ago, I'd be one of the men together with many others that was given the job to continue the kingdom of God and the church because we had a revival in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And um, the question would be, will the next generation, you, Nick and Katie Hardy, and many others, the Millses that have been here for years, and many of you, would you continue the legacy? Would you continue the passion for Jesus? And I want to say, praise God that we did. Amen? That's, that's maybe, I hope it's not a boast, but it's a statement of I want to be faithful and I hope that you guys the next generation will be faithful in the 2030s, 2040s 2050s and say when we see you in heaven because we hopefully will be long gone by then you don't want us to be too old and rickety with our old grey beards and walking sticks and say we did it Nick we actually continued the story. What you guys did in Pantan and what Rob Rufus started and Sean and the elders did and Nick and the elders did, um, we continued. In fact, we did even more things. You guys went to 30 nations. We went to 300. No, there aren't 300 nations. We went to 190 nations. Amen. So praise God. It's good to have you. And um, it's good to be here. Why don't you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're in a Philippians series and uh, we are wanting to... Um, Continue that series. <clears throat> you can entitle it Knowing Jesus. You could entitle it Done with Religion. Uh, many pieces, exquisite texts, a joyous letter written by Paul who's imprisoned. He, he's got an unusual affection for the Philippians. Uh, Chris, Chris preached last week about Timothy and Epaphroditus, is it? Ama two amazing men. Um, he's, a, he's a happy chappy Paul. Um, he's full of joy. It's, a, it's an incredible uh, anthem really of a letter that he I'm sure penned under some extreme circumstances would go on to be one of the great epistles included in the canon of scripture so sometimes you're in your dungeon you feel God's abandoned you um, no one's looking out for you you and you're writing back to a church about 10 years later 
Um, and as uh, Chris said earlier, God can do miracles, and God does a miracle with this man, probably chained to a god or a centurion, trying to write this letter. And this letter goes on to be an exquisite text, and we continue with it in our series. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11, I'm looking at, and we'll go through it fairly systematically. Um, And um, I won't get into all the technical details. There's a lot of theological technical details, which I'm sure the clever guys in Red Point have read about. But he he says, finally, my brothers, well, he doesn't end the letter there. It's like, is this the last piece? Because he continues a a bit later. But he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard for me. So there's a whole lot of jewels in there, okay? So he says... He's, he's saying, rejoice, my brothers. He's talking to the church. He's saying to us this morning, rejoice um, in the Lord. We are to find our joy in the Lord. That's what Paul is saying. <laughs> because right there for him, he ain't much good things going on. Um, and um, my body, my mind, my soul needs therapy. Amen? I don't know about you. So that's why therapists are going crazy today. They can't keep up. We need help, amen. We need counsel. And uh, this is the best counsel you're ever going to get. He says, my brothers, you need help. You need some... um, you need your soul to be encouraged. You need to step into the Jordan. You need to rejoice. You say, well, that's ridiculous. I don't feel like rejoicing. But can I just build my case and say... um, it's good for you to rejoice. And he says earlier, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I'm glad and I rejoice. He used that word before. And so rejoice, the Hebrew word is shema, which means I want you to find your well-being. I want you to be glad. I want you to find your happiness. And some people don't like that term, in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your success. He doesn't say rejoice in your wins. He doesn't say rejoice in your material comforts, which we love to do. Listen, when you win something, um, I remember the, the, we all need some wins in life, amen? Even as kids, you know, it's nice to win something. I had two older siblings, and, you know, I was the third one, so I always came third. And I remember when I did get some wins, I was so excited, particularly at school. I remember I got some wins. I studied hard, and I came first in one exam. The teacher nearly fainted. He said, what on earth happened to you? I said, I studied. He said, I've been telling you, if you study, I remember winning a race or whatever, and it was such a victory. Even won a fight, and I thought that was good. And Paul doesn't say rejoice in those things, even though he's not saying that you mustn't rejoice in those things, but he's saying rejoice in the Lord. See, all these things, the reason that the Scriptures challenge us on rejoicing in all the material things and all the successes because you may not always win your game or your exam or your whatever it is or you might not always come out on top but Jesus is the rock of ages okay you can rejoice in him um our the Lord do not change and he's trying to say rejoice in the one who can bring you true and Lasting joy. He never changes. He never shifts. He's always the same. 
other Lord do not change. He is perfect. He is good. He is always good. He is always kind. He always lives to intercede for us. So therefore you can rejoice in the Lord, your fortress, your rock. In Psalm 18, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He says rejoice in the Lord in spite of your circumstances, guys. And, and if I can say this, we will all go through a valley. Every, every church, every nation, every marriage, every individual, and the valley can even be God pruning us. And so when you get pruned or cut back or you feel, Lord, I was this flourishing tree, things were so good, but I've been pruned back, and, um, or I'm in jail, or I don't know why my health's gone. People are suffering from much health, many health problems now, hearing so many cases. I think there's a mild recession going on in South Africa, and he's saying, don't rejoice in your circumstances but rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances, not because of all circumstances. Have I made my point? And so, so one of the things that they say this, that if you wake up every morning with a heart of gratitude, your life will change. <laughs> if you wake up every morning and you look outside and you think, hey, the sun's coming up. It's a bit cloudy today, but I know the sun's coming up. And Lord, I want to thank you for my breath. I want to thank you for my nation. I want to thank you for my spouse if you're married or my spouse-to-be. I really want to thank you for her. Please, Lord, give me a spouse or give me a decent husband, please, God. Not if you're already married. You've got to hold on to that husband. You can't change your husband. So you want to give thanks to the Lord. I thank you for my breakfast. I thank you that I can have a good cup of coffee. I thank you for my nation. That is, will change the nature. Oh, jeez, I wish I could just fall asleep again. This is going to be a bad day. Lord, I'm going to kill my secretary or my boss or, you know, this government and load. Bad. Rejoice. You need some therapy. You don't need a therapist. You need some therapy. You need to rejoice. You need to give thanks. Amen. Oh, uh, well, the devil, you know, the devil says you don't dare lift your hands. You've got nothing to rejoice about. Rejoice in the Lord. This man in jail could rejoice. It is no trouble for me to write these things to you again. You know, when you read the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you just think, Lord, I'm so, I've got to read this thing again. It's got to be repeated. I've got to, I've got to go back because the, the, that's like a knife that, that cuts me. It, it straightens me. It, it, it keeps me true. Amen. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who show mercy. And it goes on and on for three chapters of incredible teachings, and we need to repeat them. And he says, it's no trouble for me to write these things to you again. Peter puts it this way, it is right to refresh your memory. That's why sometimes a preacher gets up, and I'm going to preach today out of John 3.16. And we think, oh, Rika, I've heard that scripture a million times. I can't hear it another time. You absolutely can because we need to hear it again and again. The book of repetition, Deuteronomy, is a wonderful thing of I need to hear it again. Tell me again. Tell me again about heaven. Tell me again I've been saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves so that we can't boast. I need to hear it again. Tell me again to love my wife. Amen. Amen. Tell me again to come to church. Tell me again to bring my offerings and tithes to the Lord. Because my finances are tough. Why should I? Because we come to the Lord with our first fruits. Amen. 
We come to the Lord with the first of everything. And it is a safeguard for you. <clears throat> it is a safety. You've gone so quiet. Are you breathing? What happened? The fans. Put the fans on. I'm feeling it. No, no, don't. It's a safety for you. And he's been incredibly kind, but he's about to change the tone of his letter in Philippians. It's suddenly we get the old shepherd with his crook. We get the man who guards his flock. And he's saying, listen, I'm going I'm to keep telling you. I, I go through, my, through this, this, my Bible. My other Bible got stolen out of my car, my year one. So this is my old Bible. And um, in the front of my Bible, I've got... The books that I've, you know, so as I go through each year of reading through the Bible, I try, I mark it, and, you know, I think, okay, now what? Now, here's my latest one. I circle all the ones I've done this year, and I'm thinking, okay, oh, no, I read Titus the other day. I read Timothy, but I need to read them again, amen? I need to go back to the story of Jericho, like we heard this morning. I need to go back to the Jordan again this morning, amen? And so it's good to keep going, brothers and sisters. Watch out for those dogs. Ooh. <laughs> those men who do evil. Those mutilators of the flesh. And so suddenly we have this happy guy in the jail. But there's an old problem that repeats itself in just about every church that Paul goes to. For those of you at Red Point, um, and even for our visitors one of the things that when I got saved and God called me to be a leader, he said, I want you to guard my house. As a young deacon, I had to address people who were very difficult who came to, particularly this guy that came to the church to look for girls. And he started harassing girls. And I eventually said to him, you know, you've harassed about four girls. I'm watching you. He said, I came here for love. Now you're watching me. I said, no, no, you came here for girls. You didn't come here for love. And him and I had a standoff. And I felt, you, I said, I want, you to, I want you to know this. I will not take my eyes off you the whole service. And if you approach a girl, I'm going to chase you out the church. I, even I was shocked at what came out of my mouth. That's, that's guarding. You see, Paul is a good shepherd. He's a very good shepherd. Because he knows the consequences of false teaching. And so watch out for those dogs. Today our dogs are fantastic things. We love our dogs, amen? Today dogs sleep in our beds. They sleep on our couches. We give them ribbons in their hair or their heads. I don't know what we do. In fact, I walk, drove past a cemetery in California where there's a cemetery for pets. They pay $500 a month or something to have a cemetery for their pet. It's like a very expensive part of real estate. And so we sometimes think, well, you know, what are those dogs... In those days, dogs had bad reputations. In fact, a dog was something, there were different words for dogs as there are in these Hebrews and Greek languages, but um, these were not good dogs. Dogs were normally considered, in fact, even the Jewish tradition would, would call them Gentile dogs. Even what did Jesus say? Don't throw your, give your treasure to dogs or pills to swine. He even went as far as to say, why should... Um, why should I feed the dogs speaking to the Syrophoenician woman um, and she very and but he, what, what he was doing is he was actually doing a gospel thing he was seeing how hungry she was and she says why should I, I feed the dogs before I fed the children of Israel and she said because the dogs will eat the scraps and she said your daughter is healed and so, so Paul though is using this term and he's saying watch out for those dogs who are those dogs they're Judea 
Judaizers. There are people who come in after Paul has planted churches, after he's poured out his life, and they say, you need Jesus plus something. Jesus is not sufficient. You need to come with some Jewish traditions or other traditions. In this case, there are traditions. They were the people that said that what Jesus did was good, but he didn't just quite finish the job. Because you've got to be, you've got to believe in Jesus, but P.S., you've got to be circumcised. And once you agree to be circumcised, you've got to begin to follow festivals and new moons. And even people who are obsessed with Israel today put something on the church. Jesus said, go into, he didn't say, he said, go away from Jerusalem and go to all the world. We, I love Israel. I absolutely love Israel. Spend incredible time there. Encourage you to go to Israel. But he, he takes us beyond. And slightly and subtly, we begin to put stuff on people. And so <clears throat> these were nice people, okay? They were learned and religious people. Paul detested them. I know Dudley Daniel, a man who shaped me, said, keep my people free. Don't put stuff on my people. And religion is a fine line. And he says those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Paul calls them deceitful workmen, false apostles and Corinthians. So what they're doing is they're waiting for Paul to, to trailblaze, to plant a church, to see people saved by the gospel, Jews, Greeks, all manner of people, Gentiles, foreigners, but then they come in and they say, it's a Jewish story. Well, they say, well, of course Jesus was Jewish. It's the Jewish scriptures that were expounded, wasn't it? Yes. Well, then you must be circumcised. And friends, what we need to watch is, is a spirit of religion that comes upon us, and I may speak about that in a minute. He calls them men who do evil. Now, it'd be quite a thing for us to call people like that. In fact, in, in, in Psalm 22, David said, dogs have surrounded me. And he uses the term dogs. And so it's a serious word. Brothers and sisters, any one of us that messes or adds to, I remember, um, if I can be a bit vulnerable, sitting in a meeting not many years ago, not too many years ago, and this guy got up and he began to speak. And I'm, I, listen, I listen to, I've got grace in my heart. I know I make mistakes. I listen, to, happy to listen to many. But he began to say, if you want to understand the true apostolic, you better buy my book. And I just, I just thought, uh, he's a good man. I thought, sir, please retract that. Take me to the scriptures. I don't have to buy your book to understand the apostolic. If you want these miracles to happen, my book is for sale. Now, there's a subtle form of, okay, I have something. It's called Gnostic. I have a secret. I have a revelation. But expound to me, amen, the, the, the book of Acts. Expound to me the, uh, the epistles rather than tell me because actually you have a slant. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we put stuff on people, amen? Yeah. Are you breathing? Is that okay, elders? And so... I would love my season at Red Point to be a season where everybody flourishes, includes wherever you relocate, wherever you go. And Mark's here from England. He's still in England, Mark. Um, gee, stuff happening in there, isn't it? Interesting stuff in the church that you can think for yourself and say, whoa, I'm not even a deacon, and I'm not an elder, and I'm not an apostle, but I know what you're saying, sir, because mm, my Bible tells me. And I would love us to be like that, able to guard, able to think, not be pharisaical, and judgmental, but say, mm, don't know if I agree with that. Is that okay? 
the mutilators of the flesh. <laughs> These men who do evil, evildoers. He's not being kind, is he? They mutilate the flesh. They are called the circumcision. It's called the, he used the word catatomen, the Greek word, instead of peritone, which is circumcision. He says, in fact, these guys that come with circumcision mutilate the flesh. They begin to, they're all about the flesh. It's good to be circumcised, okay? Um, I mean, the Jews did that. We understand the right of circumcision given to the Jews. But in Romans chapter 4, Paul says, If Abraham was justified by works, including circumcision, he had something to boast about, but not before God. The scripture says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. True worship, worship in the, in the spirit and in truth. And now instead of keeping the people free, the subtle tentacles of Judaism was creeping back into the church, and the whole book of Hebrews is written to those going back to Moses, and, and the writer of the Hebrews is trying to get them out. He, Paul says, you are Dogs, evil men, mutilators of the flesh. So these are serious things. Sorry, we just had to get a bit serious because the word got serious, okay? Verse 3, for it is we who are the circumcision. Let's talk about circumcision because they've come in. It is we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. So he follows it by four like pillar truths. We are the circumcision, we worship by the Spirit of God, and we glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul had this, knew this, Paul didn't know Jesus. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, but he probably knew Ezekiel, well, obviously he knew Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And so Paul knew and experienced something of a transformative um, thing. Circumcision was the cutting away of the flesh, of the reproach, of the bad things in our lives. It was symbolic of cutting away sin and Egypt and, and self-will, and it was having an open heart. And Paul says, it's not the circumcision done in the flesh, it's the circumcision that is done by the Spirit in your heart. It's we who worship by the Spirit. <clears throat> so in other words, he's saying, if you want true circumcision, it's not done by the flesh. It's not, not done by the hands of rabbis. It's done by the Spirit. And sometimes if you feel evil or sin or flesh or the old man or the old woman creeping back at you, you say, Holy Spirit, would you, Spirit of God, would you cause a circumcision, probably something of what Chris was saying, I want the reproach of Egypt, the stuff that's bothering me, the, the fact that I don't want to worship you, the fact that I'm a little bit angry, I'm struggling with obedience, I don't want to go to church, I don't want spiritual things, it's like unbelief is creeping up, who worship by the spirit, which is spirit-enabled worship, it's a sweet thing, it's not hype. Sometimes I've been to church, I think, is there just hype in this church? Are these people just hyping things up? Sometimes it's been like that. But spirit worship is where you just can't help yourself. In fact, I so enjoyed worshiping with the highway church at the camp. It's very seldom that I, that I feel a meeting shouldn't close. But on Sunday morning, a spirit of tenderness came into that meeting, I felt. It actually happened at the prayer meeting before. And I said to George afterwards, for a long time, you know, I'm thinking, okay, the meeting's done. People are going to have coffee, enjoy themselves, enjoy, etc., enjoy the kids. But I felt this meeting mustn't close. The Spirit is enabling us. The Spirit, you know, is, is doing something. We worship 
by the Spirit who glory in Christ Jesus. Our glory is not in Jewish traditions and the work of men, but our glory is in Christ Jesus. We speak much about him or we boast in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we boast about our kids. Sometimes we boast about our church. Sometimes we boast about our achievements. But he says, I want you to glory or boast in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful than to hear people boasting about Jesus. Don't you love to overhear people having coffee or sitting at a dining room table and begin to speak about the wonders of who Jesus is? There's a sermon happening at that table. You don't have to go and hear a, the sermon. You do on Sunday, but there's actually like, sometimes I think, gee, that's incredible what you just said. Just say that again. Where did you get that from? Oh, no, that was just, I'm just learning about Jesus in the scripture. And in Ezekiel, or in Leviticus, there's this part in Leviticus speaking about Jesus. Tell me more. Who put no confidence in the flesh, who do not rely on their self-righteousness or their works of faith. And sometimes even us, you know, well, I've been going to church for 40 years. You know, I'm an elder, I'm a deacon, I've been to the nations, I've read the Bible every year for 40 years, which I haven't, but some people have. Um, what else do we do? I've led a life group, you know. Um, no, there, there, there's sometimes I boast not in what I've achieved. Critical to the understanding of this text is a man is a Jew if he's one inwardly. Paul is writing back to the Philippians. And circumcision, Romans 2.29, is of the heart by the spirit. It is not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men but from God. These guys that had come in had not experienced true salvation. The moment we haven't experienced true salvation and you want to get involved in the things of God, you begin to put laws and rules on people. The rabbis would circumcise you in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, only the Spirit can circumcise you. So what happens is even when people are battling, you want to put rules on them. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Have you prayed? Have you had a quiet time? Did you give thanks this morning? But if you have been circumcised, changed, renewed, born again by the Spirit, it's like for the Jews, the mark of being a Jew, you had to be circumcised. In the New Testament, the mark of being a believer is that you're circumcised by the Spirit. This, the Spirit has done a transformative work in your heart. Well, I'm like, don't like people. You know, I'm like a very reserved person. A circumcised heart means you embrace the family of God. Amen. Remember, we had a pastor's meetings here. People would come, pastors would come, and just sit by themselves. I'm thinking, I don't know why you're a pastor, sir. At least go and greet another pastor. At least go to the people and say, thank you for outstanding cook sisters and coffee. And pastors sitting by themselves on their cell phones. Circumcised heart means this is the family of God. This is, red point is our family, Katya and I. God sent us here. No. Am I preaching to myself? You guys are living according to the flesh, according to the law. You have not experienced the renewal of the Spirit. Amen. He says, if you if you live according, he says, if you those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on earthly things. Have you been circumcised? Have you been to the festivals? Have you tithed? 
Even that is dangerous, even though we, we're encouraged to do that because we have been. A sign that, that we love each other is that we have been circumcised. But he says, those that have not been, don't have the spirit, have their minds set on the natural things. And that's what these guys were doing. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Physical circumcision, cutting off of the flesh, quite a horrible thing. Ah! painful for the kids the mommies cry and the older men had to be circumcised <laughs> hear about circumcision today the older men in Jericho had to be circumcised not a fun thing a painful thing physical circumcision cutting off of the flesh spiritual circumcision cutting off of the old man old, you know there's the nicky devil the old man the old Durban High School naughty guy. The guy that used to, that, that guy that didn't think he needed Jesus. The guy that was fiercely independent. That guy is cut off. That old man of selfishness. Well, see if she loves me. No, that's the old man, insecure man. But the new man is the man overflowing, amen? Generous, kind. Um, humble um, no, I'm not waiting for her to love me I'm going to love her oh but I've been trying to love her for 20 years she's still like a cold fish keep loving her because you are a cold fish and Jesus keeps loving you amen you resisted him and he kept on reaching out to you and you sinned and he forgave you well my wife I mean how many times I just forgive her you must forgive her 70 times 7 in one day <laughs> That's a lot of times. I was thinking about it at the this morning. I think, Lord, why so many times? I'm still trying to understand why so many times. I mean, three times, you're out. <laughs> Superior circumcision. These Jews hadn't got it at all. They'd seen miracles probably. They'd heard about Jesus raised and they said, cool. This is a good money-making operation. Religion, there's money in religion. Let's, let's carry on. Let's go and follow Paul. But Paul said, you're evildoers. You're dogs. Radical thing, eh? Guys, we want to keep ourselves free. You see, people who put their faith in Jesus, legal, legalists are extremely offended by the gospel because the gospel is for free. See, legalists control people. I said this in Pretoria, and a lady came to, she said, I, I said, control is a form of witchcraft. That's what I said. When you control people, when you, it's a form of witchcraft. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm aware that church and religion has a way of creeping up on us, and we get religious. We get pharisaical. We don't know how to deal with sinners. <clears throat> And so, you see, the, these people, that were, they never abandoned, okay, their own self-sufficiency. They never said, we have nothing, you have everything. And so they never, there comes a time when you abandon yourself. Um, in fact, somebody said this week to me on a crowd, at, a, at a different situation, and a crowd of people, and a guy turned around and said, yeah, but you're a good man. He said it in a crowd of people. It was quite a worldly situation. Guys were a little bit fired up, party time. 
And uh, the guy turned around in front of the sort of, I don't know if they're believers. He said, you're a good person. And I said this, no, I'm not. And he looked at me with shock. I'm not a good person. Jesus is my good person. I climb into him. I robe, I, I tuck myself into him. I hide myself in Jesus. I mean, he was like saying, Jesus, he just swelled the party. I thought, well, uh, I mean, I just told everyone you're a pastor, bro. Now you're saying you're not a good guy. But, but Jesus is our, is our good shepherd. When the guy said, hey, good master, he says, call no one good except God. Is that what he said? And so what I want to say, guys, is we, we, we come with no self-sufficiency. Yeah, I'm good, aren't I? Ooh, so good. Check me out. No, Jesus is good. Remember the Pharisees were saying, look how wonderfully I pray. Look how I give. Look at my flowing robes. And Jesus says, you've got a problem. Um, <clears throat> put your faith in the finished work of Jesus. Be spirit-led. Be spirit-empowered to worship. Anywhere, anytime, any circumstances, you're free to worship. Jesus is the one who is rich in mercy, Mr. Jewish man who's trying to put stuff on God's free people. Jesus is full of forgiving grace. Jesus lifts us up into spirituality and into godliness, amen? Not our good works. He does it within himself. Jesus has within himself the treasures of a divine nature. So we climb into him to get our divine nature. He is rich in sympathy, rich in mercy. He is rich in provision, ready to provide all things that pertain to life and godliness. No wonder Paul is saying, you've got Jesus, you've got everything. You don't need this other stuff. There is an abundance of love in Jesus. There's an abundance of grace and an abundance of mercy. You see, when we pharisaical, we'll experience the grace of God again and again until finally we'll think, gee, I can't believe how gracious God is. I can't believe how he's forgiven me. I can't believe how he's, time and again, when I was lacking in faith, he came through for me. When actually I made mistake after mistake and my marriage should have broken up, but he kept us together, amen? He helped me as a pastor when I just thought, I'm hurt, I, I can't do this anymore. He came forward and he, and, he, and he helped and he said, I will be your sufficiency. I will be your healer. And Paul by now has experienced these things. There's an abundance of provision. He protects us. In him dwells the fullness of God. He's worth running to. Get rid of the old stuff. These riches and this fullness is available to everyone. First to proud century Jews who, who got it first, then to degraded Gentiles, sinful people, including us, Jesus abounds in riches to all who call upon his name. The Christian is the person who has experienced this wealth of grace in Jesus. He's the guy that was walking along, walking along, and he stumbled across something in a field. And he said, ah, check this. I found the pearl of great price. He quickly digs, he buries it, and he goes and he sells everything. He, he lets go of everything. He said, what are you doing, bro? Selling the business, the cows, the sheep, the goats, all the family heirlooms. He's sold everything to buy that field so he can get the price, the pearl of great price. That's Paul. He was, he was on his way, sent by the, the chief priests and rabbis to go and execute, arrest all these... Um, deceived people that followed the way of Jesus, this mad Messiah. And he was a Pharisee and he was, 
and he stumbled because he got struck by Jesus and he fell to the ground and Paul went and sold everything. He's experienced the wealth of Jesus. This Pharisee, though, must, though I myself have reasons for such confidence in the flesh in my Judaism, for anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, you think you guys have reason to put confidence in the flesh. You guys who are coming with the circumcision and the Jewish rite, you think you guys have got reason to put, I have much more than you. I have far higher credentials than these Judaizers. Before I met Christ, let me tell you who I was. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, which means my parents honored. Not on the seventh day, not on the ninth day. On the eighth day, my Jewish parents got me circumcised. So I started well, okay? Of the people of Israel, point number two, I come from Israel. I'm not a convert. I'm of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. The two tribes most loved, Judah and Benjamin. Benjamin, the last born. Benjamin, the son of Rachel. Rachel, the most, my granny, great, great, great granny was the most loved of all the women. I mean, I come from good stock. A Hebrew of Hebrews, which means... Uh, like saying a, he's saying, you know, a Hebrew would know the Torah off by heart. A Hebrew would be devoted to the things of God. He says Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've loved the things of God. You can have secular Hebrews and you can have, like you go, then you go to the old city in Jerusalem or you go to a place in New York where they wear all their phylacteries and all their tassels and their hats and they don't look at, in fact, there's a thing right now on the news where in, in the old city, this traditional Hebrew of Hebrews walks past people that are trying to organize a church in Israel and he spits. It's on, it's on Sky News. For him, that's Hebrew of Hebrews. Don't mess with my Israel. Don't mess with my Hebrew traditions. That's a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regarding the law, a Pharisee, which means the Pharisees kept the law perfectly. They would tithe on the tithe. Every single jot and tittle was followed. These were radical men, amen? A Pharisee was a dangerous guy. <laughs> you didn't mess with a Pharisee. You would come and inspect your home. You would see, what is that? What, you got bacon? <laughs> I don't do pork, but you got bacon. Stone him. Serious brothers and sisters, guarders of the law. As for zeal, six point. Uh, like, zeal means, he said, as for zeal, persecuting the church. A, a zealot, I wrote, all my notes are so good, I've lost them. A, a zealot is somebody that's a zealous. A zealot will go to war. A zealot will take you out. A zealot will pick up arms. <laughs> a zealot is not sitting at home studying his Torah. He does that, but he's saying, I hear there's a disturbance. He'll go out with his shambok and he'll shire you. Uh, that's what a zealot is. He was very zealous. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Can you compare you Jews that have come to put stuff on the free people of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You know why Paul was so broken or so given? 
Because as those seven credentials are, are, are the top credentials, under Gamaliel, I studied. I love God. I'm devoted to God. But when God sent the best thing God ever had, the best thing that God had must have been his son. Not the stars, not the planets, not even us, but his own precious son. When the father sends that son, this circumcised man called Paul, who's followed everything, so misses it that he says, that man Jesus must die and his followers must die. I have very little doubt the Bible doesn't say that he was one of the guys saying, crucify him, crucify him. And when they got Stephen, one of his disciples, he said, come put your, your clothes here and stone him and take him out. And he went from house to house. Even there were guys that were terrified of him. And he said, how could I so miss it? How could I have so missed the greatest gift that, that Elohim would give us as the Messiah? I saw him and I, and I thought he was the devil. My religion is bad, man. <laughs> And I miss it so much. I remember thinking, I don't want Jesus. I was just like Paul. I don't want Jesus. I was a Catholic. I want fun. I want my own life. I don't want Jesus. I don't want the man on the cross. Same, same. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All that religions offered me, profited me, all my stuff, all my status, big status, I'm doing an accounting. I consider them lost for the sake of Christ. I don't want them. In fact, get them away from me because I've got my pearl of great price. I've sold all those things to get a hold of him. In order to gain Jesus fully, I had to lose all the religious stuff. Sometimes I think of David putting on Saul's armor to go and fight. He says, I don't fit in these. I can't worship God in these. With all of them, I was completely blinded to God. Now, Paul now sees all his past achievements, his status as meaningless compared to the surpassing worth, another good accounting word, of knowing Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. <clears throat> I was religious before, but my religion didn't save me. I consider now everything a loss, all my status, not just the religious stuff, everything he gave up. He would have given up family, probably a home, status. There was, must have been a good Jewish girl waiting to marry this fantastic rabbi. I gave it up for the sake of Jesus compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. I found the pearl of great price. Nothing matters anymore. Can you imagine, just picture it, guys. You know, we read the story on the road to Damascus and the, and the Lord strikes him with light and he falls. He says, who are you, Lord? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You have, you have a desire for God. You have a desire to be right. You're persecuting me. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Go to, go to the city and I'll tell you the things that you must suffer for my name. Yeah, easy, I easy suffer. I can't see, Lord. Yeah, you can't see because you thought you could see. You thought you had sight. But one little glimpse just of my, maybe the Lord just went, 
like that. Just turned to him one second and it was enough because his face is as bright as the sun and his eyes blaze like fire that I may gain Christ. I consider them rubbish, dung, excrement. All the theologians love to tell you it's actually horrible stuff (laughs) that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus that comes from God I got righteousness before I tried to earn it but it got me to kill God's beautiful elect people that's bad man that's how bad religion is but I tell you now that I've got Christ I want to let go of everything having realized having gained having found I see that all the stuff is sewer one guy was preaching, he said, go to, go to your dustbin that you haven't cleaned for a week with chicken and salami and a bit of old, and stick your head in the, in the thing and sniff that, that putrid stuff. Get a whole lot of it until you're drunk. He says, that's what my good works were like. They were just a bag of rubbish. Lord, I deserve. I studied your word. I'm the church. I've gave. been tithing all my life. A child is in trouble, you better. You better. Hey, God said, don't come with that. Don't, that's, that's, that's not good. They're going to smell the dustbin. Oh, say, Jesus, I rejoice in you. You're my provider. You're the one who cares for me, for my family, for my nation, for my church. I love you, Lord. I deserve death. Like Paul's in jail, he's saying, but how? Okay, excuse me, God, do you mind if I just lift my hand? What for? I just want to worship God. Oh, no, no. Stop it. Okay, can I try with my other hand? I don't want to worship God. We're going to imprison you, put a, a muzzle over your mouth so you can't speak, Mr. Paul. Uh, no, I'm going to start singing. I'm going to start singing. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. All the, rec- all the recitals. Stop everything. Stop all the religious stuff. Stop the observances, the dress codes, the Sabbath, the practice. Stop, stop. And all you have to do is look up. Don't breathe. No, you must breathe. Don't speak. Don't even blink. But behold him. He who seeks will find. Because you see, that's what happened to Paul. He just, uh, and he just fell to the ground. That's what happened to Isaiah. He clasped his hand over his mouth when he saw the Lord. That's what happened to John when he saw Jesus in his glory. He fell as though dead. That's the one we're saying, lose everything. That's easy because I've gained Christ. Fall as though dead. When he met Christ, he considered all his religious and fleshly attainments mere rubbish. I've nothing of righteousness. I've no righteousness of my own coming to land. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. See, this is so rich. I want to know him, says Paul. Judaism, stop, 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 stop your stuff. Let my people go that they may worship me. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. My title this morning is, I want to know you, Lord. It's been 40-some years for me. I'm just a kid playing in the shallow water. I want to... Uh, Jesus says, Nick, I've got so much more to reveal to yourself about who I am. 
And the more you see who Jesus is, man, your life will be transformed. The more you know who Jesus is, the more your life will be transformed. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Paul has experienced the knowing of God. And he says, I want to know you more. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of your resurrection. The resurrection is an incredible thing because the resurrection demonstrated that actually God can, can do a miracle in your life. Amen? Come down, they said. Come down, come down, come down. Unnail yourself, Mr. Jesus, you the Savior. They spat at him. They walked past. They hurled insults at him. He could have just done a Houdini. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll show you the power of God. And this is for you, church. That not only will they pin me, mock me, smash me, and, and crucify me, but I will let them, I will surrender my life to death. And, and death on the cross and on me you can heap the, the, the sins of the world. What's happening in Russia now, just kids blowing up, smashing, raping, that has been happening for 6,000 years from the beginning of mankind when even Cain killed his brother, took something and smashed his head in. It's still happening today. Jesus took all that upon himself. He took, he took all the stuff that's happening right now in Sudan, takes it upon himself. He says, put me in a tomb. For three days, you put me in a tomb. Watch this. It's time. No one rolled the stone. No one, he just, by the power of God, raised him from. Paul says, I want to know the power of that resurrection. That old man that's trying to keep me down, that old Nick, that old nature, that old devil, the systems of the world, trying to keep me down. But I want to know the power of the resurrection, to attain to it. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Why, Paul? He says, I want to associate. He doesn't, he says, I want to be, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, like Jesus did. Whatever Jesus did, I want to do. And somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead, that simply means I simply want to, to attain to the resurrection of the dead means to arrive where Christ is. That's what it means. Don't, don't worry about the hardships. I'm pushing them away because Jesus had hardships. But I want to know you. Can I pray? Would you stand with me? What a beautiful text. Just even as I, as I pray, what did Paul gain? Gained a savior, a friend. He gained the forgiver of his sins. He gained true circumcision. He gained a new heart. <clears throat> he got a new garment. He gained wisdom. He gained the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He gained the fact that he was seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He gained the wash of his feet. Every day somebody would wash his feet. His name is Jesus. He understood that he gained one who would intercede for him. He gained one that went ahead to prepare a place for him. And he said, I want to go now. He says, but I'll, I'll stick around. Nero, cruel man, cruel man, an enemy of the church. They say the way that Paul died is that his head was severed from his body. And he went to be with Jesus. Sometimes I complain because I don't have the right food, dormitory food. 
Some of them I complain because somebody said something about me. <laughs> you can chop my head off, but I got Jesus. Do you need Jesus this morning? He's available. You just got to say, yeah. You got to leave all your stuff. You just got to say, Lord, I need you. Every eye closed. Jesus wants to give himself, make himself known. Jesus wants to save you by his spirit. Jesus wants to transform your life. All the things I've said in this wonderful passage can be yours and mine. Every eye closed. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to gain Christ? Just raise your hand. Nice and high so that I can see it, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise your hand. Every eye closed. You're saying, yes, I, I want this Jesus. I want the transformative power of Jesus. Just raise your hand. If anybody here says, I have been stuck in religion, just raise your hand. I've lost that sweet joy. Just raise your hand. A few people have raised their hand. Who else? Who else you want to raise your hand? You say, Mr. Preacher, I, got, I, I need Jesus this morning. You haven't actually exactly said what, the, what my need is, but I still want to say that I feel that God, I, I want God to meet my need. Just raise your hand where you are. Okay, I see a number of hands. Now, if you want to raise your hands and worship with me as I pray, would you do that? Church of Jesus, would you raise your hands to this glorious Christ? That something in there is spoken and you say, yeah, I, wanna, I, want, I want him. You say, Nick, I'm a sinner. I'm busy sinning right now. Okay? Say this while we've got our hands raised. Say this, Lord, forgive me for my sin, please. Just say it. Say it in your hearts. You can say it. You can whisper it if you want. The devil can hear. Just say, Lord, please forgive me for my sin. Just say, just say that. Madam, say it. Sir, say it. Young person, say it. Lord, forgive me for my sin, please. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite and raise my hands. Having said it, I'm asking you to raise your hands with me. Now raise your hands with me. Lord, we raise our hands to Jesus. The one who keeps us free. The one who is mercy upon mercy, grace upon grace. The one who says, you, all you have to do is look at me and I will save you. Put your faith in me. Don't bring any of your good works to me. They will hinder you. And so, Lord, all these people here this morning, everyone wrap your arms around us. Bring us to your hearts. Bring us to your chest. Bring us to yourself, Lord. We, we are lost out there without you. Let your wisdom and your grace now fall upon us. Let your saving power touch some hearts. Let the work of the Spirit break the chains of sin yes. upon the hearts of some people that are angry, bitter, whatever. We worship you this morning.